This is 680 CJOB. I'm Brett McGarry. This week on the Couch Potatoes, I didn't want to go see Suicide Squad, so instead I went to see Star Trek. Better late than never because it was beyond fun. I'm Jeff Braun. I watched a very unusual movie this week. I'll tell you all about The Lobster. I'll also tell you what's out on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital HD this week, and we'll talk a little Nintendo. First, it's the news. From the couch. A new trailer came out this week for a sequel I have been waiting years for. Ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Feed the starving children. Come on, you it's Bad Santa 2. We got a job. I'm talking millions this time. Why are you even out of the joint anyway? You know, they used to sterilize guys like you. Early release, you racist moron. Billy Bob Thornton reprises his role as the most despicable human on the planet in the follow-up to what the Couch Potatoes consider a Christmas classic. The first Bad Santa came out 13 years ago, and there's been talk for most of the year since about a possible sequel. As you heard in the clip, his accomplice, played by Tony Cox, is back again. In the original, they posed as a department store Santa and Elf, and then robbed the store safe when it was full of all that sweet Christmas cash from all the all the shoppers. Billy Bob also learned a lesson or two about love and friendship along the way, which brings us to the return of the weird kid from the first one, Thurman Merman. I'm 21, officially a man. That's creepy. Are you still gonna f*** my What? No, I said I'd get it done by somebody else. Come on, baby. Come on. Get a bite of this pumping nickel bread. No! Sadly, there are two original cast members who will not be returning, John Ritter and Bernie Mac. Ritter died while they were shooting the first Bad Santa. Mac died five years later, both far too young. Mac's character died in the first movie anyway, so he wouldn't have been back unless it was as the ghost of Christmas past. Something that does return from the original is Billy Bob's wonderful interactions with the children when he's dressed as Santa. Minecraft, Halo 5 Guardians, Assassin's Creed Chronicles Trilogy. Yeah, that's great, that's great. I, I don't know. I have no idea what this is. You could be speaking Swahili and I wouldn't know any better. Grand Theft Auto 5. Nah, I don't care. I have no illusions that I'll love this as much as I did the first one, but there are a lot of good laughs in the Red Band trailer, and for me it's Billy Bob's career best role, so I am hopeful. We'll find out November 23rd. You need a hug from Santa. No, I don't need no I'm still not sure what I am. I'm just living my life, day to day. You should be out there helping people. You think I asked for any of this? I was put in some tank like an exotic fish. Came out with abilities. I just want to be left the hell alone. Well, that would be a waste. The first full trailer has arrived for the third show in the Netflix corner of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Harlem has a new defender, Luke Cage. Too much happens in the shadows. People fear what they can't see. This place is our reputation, our legacy, our blood. Every business can squeeze them hard. 
everybody wants to be the king. Sometimes if you want justice, you have to get it yourself. Luke Cage follows Daredevil and Jessica Jones in part of this darker, more mature part of the MCU. Mike Coulter plays Cage, who was one of the first black heroes in comic books, and his abilities that he referred to. Well, he's like the Man of Steel. If you punch him, your hand's gonna hurt. If you shoot him, your bullets are just gonna bounce off him. And if you make him really mad, he's gonna throw you through a wall, because he's, like, strong and stuff. Cage first appeared in the second Netflix series, Jessica Jones, where we got a mere hint at his abilities. They're on full display in this trailer as he looks to take out the garbage and clean up the crime scene in Harlem. You want to go to war? I'll take you to war. You might be bulletproof, but Harlem ain't. This city is supposed to represent our hopes and dreams. Fight for what's right every single day. Why don't you just tell us your name? It's Luke Cage. If you've never heard of Mike Coulter, by the way, you would probably recognize him. He was in nearly two dozen episodes of The Good Wife as a guy named Lamont Bishop. He was also in The Following. He's been in lots of stuff. The cast also includes Frankie Faison, who was in the recently finished Cinemax slash HBO series Banshee. And Rosario Dawson is back again as the nurse extraordinaire who just can't seem to get away from the Daredevils, Jessica Joneses, and now Luke Cage's of the world. Eventually, there will be a fourth Netflix series called Iron Fist, and then the four heroes will unite in another series called The Defenders. In the meantime, it's almost time to resurrect my Netflix subscription for Luke Cage. All episodes start streaming September 30th. Neighborhood is yapping about how two goons got the beat down last night. I heard it was four guys. <laughs> two of our favorite shows will take part in one of the oldest TV cliches in the book this season the crossover. These days, crossovers are usually reserved for shows with shared universes, like when characters from the different NCISs get together. But sitcoms used to do it from time to time, and that's what's going to happen with Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I am captain of this precinct, and you are my assistant. I have given you a direct order to leave. I do not have a problem. If I want to play Quasi Cupcakes, I will play Quasi Cupcakes. Quasi is a difficult word to say in anger, but I think I've made my feelings clear. And new girl. Maybe the reason I have writer's block is I've been living too casual with you clown. I need real life adventure. Like Ernest Hemingway had at my age. Man, I gotta run with the balls. I gotta kill a man with my bare hands after making sweet love to him and then sleep on the warm belly of his horse. I gotta eat my way out of a sandwich house. How much you know about Hemingway? Not a lot. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is about New York cops, while New Girl is a modern-day Friends clone, so they have little in common there, and both shows look radically different. But they're both on Fox and are both very silly, and it just might work. I'm in. Eyes closed, head first, can't lose. The details have not been released, other than the episode will be set in New York. That's Brooklyn Nine-Nine territory, obviously. Hot 
damn! New Girl said in Los Angeles, the crossover app will air early in the season on October 11th. Are you out of your mind? What do you mean am I? How do you think this is your towel? Do you even wash it? No, I don't wash the towel. The Wait. towel washes me. Who washes a towel? You never wash. You wash your towel? You never wash the towel? What am I gonna do? Wash the shower next? <sighs> wash a bar of soap? You gotta think here, pal. More news from the couch next, starting with Prison Break. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry and Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. Time now for more news from the couch. Michael was sick, and he died. But how do you explain that? Prison Break's back. Fox has released a new sneak peek for the upcoming fifth season of Prison Break, which has been resurrected as another one of those event series after the network's success with 24 Live Another Day from a couple of summers back. Prison Break debuted in 2005, starring Wentworth Miller as Michael Schofield, guy who gets himself thrown in jail so he can break out from death row. His brother, Lincoln Burroughs, played by Dominic Purcell. And as crazy as that sounds, this new series sounds even crazier. And we're planning our biggest escape. Looks like your brother might just be alive. You're telling me you're alive. Telling me where you are. If I needed to get to Yemen, what's something you could help me with? You can't imagine a more dangerous situation to be in, but all is not as it seems. All the people that you loved from the original Prison Break will all play a very significant role in helping Michael and Lincoln get out of that country. There were four seasons in all in the original run, and then there was also a straight-to-DVD movie called The Final Break, which was released in 2009. The show was a hit with viewers and critics alike, earning Golden Globe nominations in its first season for Best Drama and Best Actor, but its biggest strength was probably its ensemble cast, and they're all back for this new series. Michael's my best friend. I'm coming with you. Breaking out of prison is just the beginning. You have to break out of the country itself. They have him in here for working for ISIL, trying to take down the government. The canvas that we're using is the entire world. Everything is a threat from all sides, and you don't know who to trust. You need to look at all of the possibilities before you go walking into a war zone. He's my brother. Prison Break, as far as I understand, was always meant to be only two seasons. Season one, break out. Season two, run away. But they stretched it to a third season, which saw Michael get thrown in jail in Panama and then have to break out. Season four was almost like an Ocean's Eleven-style caper with lots of comedy. Now he's in prison in Yemen, and the break's on a global scale. Looks like fun, and it's going to arrive sometime in 2017 on Fox. The connection between the two brothers is a universal theme. It's love. It's blood. It's a story about loyalty, family, sacrifice. It's going to be incredibly exciting. I think that this is going to be better than the original Prison Break. I got you now, Michael. We're going to get you out of here. Okay, listen, just because Howard and Bernadette are having problems does not mean you should be here sniffing around. What can I do? I can't stop thinking about her. All right, try thinking about this. Sheldon and Amy had sex. Shut your ass. When the Big Bang Theory returns for its 10th season this September, it's going to break a little bad. Dean Norris, who played Hank on Breaking Bad, is joining the cast for a six-episode arc. We got new players in town. This is arts, Mr. White. Badass, Dad. We keep hearing the name. Heisenberg. 
tight, tight, tight. Man, look at that, look! Walt has a secret. Norris will play an army guy interested in acquiring the gyroscope that Howard and Leonard invented last season. They were worried about its military applications, and it looks like their nightmares are about to come true. Norris can be intimidating, sure, but he also has a knack for comedy. The Big Bang Theory returns September 19th. Maria, I said Cheetos, not Fritos. Wait, I... I must have said Cheetos like ten times. You need me to write it down for you? No, and I don't need you to be mean about it either, Mr. Grumpy. Well, I'm just saying, you know, I, I said Cheetos, ch ch sound. Virtually impossible to confuse Cheetos with Fritos. Welcome home. That's Mila Jovovich, who is back one more time to play the butt-kicking, gun-toting action heroine Alice in the first teaser for the sixth movie in the Resident Evil franchise, the final chapter. I should start by saying I've not seen most of the first five movies. I've only seen parts of the first one, which came out back in 2002. Inspired, by the way, by a popular video game series about zombies. Apocalypse arrived in 2004, Extinction in 2007, Afterlife in 2010. That one I have seen for sure. It was stupid. But it went on to be the highest-grossing Canadian-produced film ever, with just under $300 million at the worldwide box office. Then Retribution arrived in 2012. I think I saw that, but I can't remember, which I guess says a lot about its quality. And now we have the final chapter, which sees Alice go back to where it all began, the headquarters of the Umbrella Corporation. Alice. What do you want from me? Humanity will cease to exist. Unless you return to the hive. I trust you. Behind you. Everything's led to this. What are we gonna do? We're gonna kill every last one of them. The Umbrella Corporation unleashed the T-Virus that started the apocalypse, by the way. Most of these movies get bad reviews. In fact, all of them have gotten bad reviews so far, but the action really is cool, and Jovovich is great as an action star. There isn't much dialogue in this trailer, by the way, just lots of action set to Guns N' Roses. Daughter returns. Hey, there's some dialogue. That was Jorah Mormont from Game of Thrones, by the way. No idea who he is in this movie, nor do I really care. Final chapter arrives early next year on January 27th. Should have killed you in Washington. Yeah, big mistake. That is the news from the couch. Up next, we'll tell you what's coming home video this week. You're listening to the Couch Potatoes. What's the worst thing you've ever done? This probably. How about you? I've done a lot of things. We fall into Sometimes the way you love somebody it can change. I don't want her anywhere near my kids. Your mom and I were getting a divorce. Why? That's very complicated. Brett McGarry and Jeff Brown, we are the Couch Potatoes, having a look at what's coming to Blu-ray, DVD, etc. What was that, Jeff? Season 2 of The Affair, the Showtime show about an affair, starring Dominic West, Ruth Wilson, Maura Tierney, and Joshua Jackson. It's a great show, I like it. felt a little cheaper in Season 2 than Season 1, but I'm hopeful that it picks up its game next season. What else is coming? The Angry Birds movie with Jason Sudeikis and uh, Gotham Season 2. Still watching that? Yes. There you go. It was okay. 
Uh, God, you don't have to watch it, Brett. I know, I really Sorry. should just cut it loose. Uh, Vampire Diaries completes seventh season, season five of Once Upon a Time, and Popstar Never Stop Never Stopping on Digital HD. Big failure at the box office, but maybe it'll find Second Life on home video. Up next, we're going to talk a little lobster. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett. There's a movie that just came out on video on demand in the past couple of weeks. I had heard good things about it, wanted to check it out, so I watched it. It's called The Lobster, starring Colin Farrell. Have you ever been on your own before? No, never. Your last relationship lasted how many years? Around 12. Sexual preference? Women. Is there a bisexual option available? No, sir, this option is no longer available. Hmm. And the dog? My brother, he was here a couple of years ago, but he didn't make it. Did you read the leaflet? Yes, I did. As you understand from your brother's experience, if you fail to fall in love with someone during your stay here, you'll turn into an animal. Now, have you thought of what animal you'd like to be if you end up alone? Yes, a lobster. A lobster is an excellent choice. Yep, it's insane. The premise is this. The movie is set in some sort of dystopian future or parallel universe. It's Earth, but not the Earth we know, even though it looks just like it. Everyone lives in the city, quote-unquote. It's just called the city. The movie never makes clear if there are other cities or countries or what. Now, society considers togetherness the best thing there is, to the point where if you are single and cannot find love, you get turned into an animal. First thing, first you get sent to the hotel with the other singles, and there you have 45 days to find a match or you get transformed, and they're harsh about it. In that clip that was Farrell's first day at the hotel, his wife had just left him earlier that week for another man. That's how fast they grab people up. Another guest's wife had died just two days before he was rounded up and brought to the hotel. There are ways to extend your stay. You can buy some more time, uh, buy you some more time in the hopes that the love of your life will show up at the hotel. Every now now and then, the hotel guests arm themselves with tranquilizer guns. They head out to the woods and hunt the loners. These are singles who have escaped the hotel. People who don't want to fall in love and certainly don't want to be turned into animals. So they have a community in the woods because it's their only refuge. If a hotel guest tranks one of the loners, they get a few more days added to their stay. There are also a lot of rules at the hotel. The punishment for breaking them is harsh. One guy did something with his hand that he should not have, and they put it in a toaster so he can't use it anymore, stuff like that. As for the transformation into an animal, the process gets a pretty graphic and horrifying description, but thankfully they never show it. Uh, the hotel also provides a lot of mandatory services to show its guests how being in love is a good thing. Weird demonstrations to prove that it's better to be with someone. Like, if you're alone, you could choke and die eating dinner by yourself. But if you're with someone, they could save you. By the way, the love they're seeking is not the same terms we would know it as. Everyone has a, dis a defining characteristic, like a limp or a lisp. And if you find someone else like that, then you have a good shot at a match. The whole thing is an amped up metaphor, I guess, for how society sort of looks down on single people, saying quite literally they should be forced to find love or be removed from society. And if you're a loner who doesn't even try to find love, that's worse and you should be hunted. All that stuff I mentioned, that's in the first half hour. This is a two-hour movie. It's very strange, and it takes some even stranger twists from there as it goes along. 
While it's obviously a fantasy, it is shot as small-scale realism and is played very straight. Everyone is matter-of-fact about most things. Not a lot of emotion, probably because of what is obviously a horrifically oppressive society. And there's creepy, ominous music throughout, tinkling pianos and harsh strings and minor keys. It's unsettling. It's an interesting move because the premise is so bizarre that you'd think it would be a loopy comedy. There could, there would be a great movie in that if someone did it. But this is drama, although it does have a lot of very dark humor in it. I found it fascinating and very engaging, even though a lot of the characters are bland because of that oppressive society is kind of soul-crushing. Still, there are glimmers in some. Colin Farrell is holding on to a lot more than he shows. He's kind of a schlubby, nondescript guy, but everyone sort of is. Rachel Weisz also is in this movie, but even talking about her character would give too much away. John C. Riley's in it as well. A few other faces you'll recognize from British sitcoms. The ending, though, is going to infuriate some people. Um, if, say, the ending of No Country for Old Men or Inception made you mad, then you should just skip The Lobster. It's it's not the same ending as either of those movies, but I'm sure it would elicit a similar reaction if you didn't like those. If you are at all adventurous in your movie selections, though, you should definitely check out The Lobster. I guarantee you have never seen anything like it, and I'm giving it four couch cushions out of five. And I just uh, pulled up its rating on the Rotten Tomatoes, 90% there. Boom. So um... It's not just me. Well, and you mentioned this, uh, I guess it was last week or the week before yeah. in our when we were talking about coming to Blu-ray and DVD. So I looked up the trailer and yeah, it just looks fascinating. And yep, it, it is. I, uh, I enjoy these sort of wildly imaginative, whether it's futuristic or just alternate versions. Uh, and it, at least in this case, it sounds like it delivers. I don't know if you remember, I can't believe I, I looked this up too. Uh, I don't know if you remember from 2011 already, the movie starring Justin Timberlake called In Time. Right, right, right. Where they all had was that built into the skin, or were they wearing a watch? Well, I think it was like it implant. was like they were bioengineered or something. And the clock is counting down to when they died. Yeah. So basically, if you were rich, you had more. You like time was your currency. Right. So people who were poor, once they ran out of time, their body just shut down. And people who were rich had hundreds and hundreds of years left on their clock. They never had to worry. And they, they everyone stops aging at the year 25. They hit 25, boom, that's when the clock turns on. And uh, you're 25 forever or you're 25 until you die. But they failed. That like that move, the premise, uh, that's an awesome premise, but that movie was, I don't want to say it stunk. It was, an, it was an amusing movie to watch at three in the morning in my bedroom on the cruise I had, that I happened to be on <laughs> at the time. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I've been there. But if I had gone to a theater and watched it, I would have been mad. Right. I would expect The Lobster to win a Best Original Screenplay Award really easily. I would hope so. Something yeah. like this. Where do, pe- where do people come up with this stuff? And that's the kind of thing. Probably lots of uh, perhaps some pharmaceuticals. Uh, I guess so, perhaps. <laughs> and it's interesting when they show the woods... You see like a camel walks by just because, you know, the woods are by the hotel where they've been transformed and you just send the animals out into the woods. So there's all sorts of weird animals just walking through scenes in the movie every now and then. All right. Well, I'm, I think I'm going to have to go home and uh, rent that as well. Up next, I want to tell you about a little bit, a little late now, but better late than never, Star Trek Beyond. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry and Jeff Brown, we are The Couch Potatoes. This has been out a few weeks now, but in case you are wondering about it, I finally got around to seeing Star Trek Beyond. Is that music? It's a good choice. Hey, well played. Beyond is the third movie in the rebooted franchise for Star Trek. That reboot started in 2009, and it was a big hit with critics and moviegoers alike. 
The sequel arrived in 2013, Star Trek Into Darkness, and in Beyond, Captain Kirk and his crew are attacked by a group of unknown aliens and are stranded on an unknown planet. We got no ship. No crew. How are we gonna get out of this one? We will find hope in the impossible. At least I won't die alone. Well, that's just typical. Spock just got teleported away, leaving Doc there all alone against a number of gunships. He's not happy about it. This is where it begins, Captain. This is where the frontier pushes back. Star Trek Beyond doing not bad at the box office. It opened with $59 million back in late July. At last report, just over $130 million domestic, so it's not exactly burning it down. And uh, just under $200 million worldwide, so not as well as its predecessors, but still not horrible. And they've already got plans for a fourth movie anyway. As far as this new franchise goes, I really loved the first one. Didn't mind the second one, and I think I liked this one a little bit more than the second one. Although it surprised to see me that it's or it surprised me to see that it's the worst reviewed of the three so far the first one has a 95 percent rating on rotten tomatoes second one 86 percent but I, I thought it had a worse rating because there was a lot of negative talk about it i don't know if you remember but everybody seemed to be dumping on that movie but i didn't mind it and in fact i went back to double check what i gave it i handed it four couch cushions out of five talking about the second one star trek into darkness i think that number was probably too generous. Looking back, I'd say probably three, maybe three and a half, simply because I have not been compelled to watch it again. Whereas I would definitely watch Star Trek Beyond again in a heartbeat. And Beyond is at 83%. So I suppose it's the lowest reviewed, perhaps because while it's a rollicking good time, it's certainly not an award winner and they don't really swing for the fences in terms of uh, like a sweeping story here. It's just a good, fun time at the movies. Visually, it's a feast, much like its predecessors. The imagination and visual effects on display here are truly awe-inspiring, some of the best I have ever seen. You could watch this movie five times and pick up new details every single time. There's just so much stuff to see and absorb. But visuals without good characters mean nothing, and luckily this film has good characters played by good actors, which we've gotten to know over two movies and now a third. I suppose one gripe could be that many of those characters weren't really given anything to do. It's very much a plot-driven story as opposed to character-driven. There are a couple of little subplots that offer some character tension, but they're mostly sort of throwaway. But the chemistry of the cast really helps invite you into this world in such a seamless fashion. As for new characters, we meet an alien named Jayla. She is fierce and feisty and really livens things up when she shows up. And then there's the bad guy, played by Idris Elba, which is an automatic slam dunk because Elba is great in... Well, everything he does. There are some plot holes, some unanswered questions, especially the film's climax. 
So when I found, found myself thinking, how did that happen? But I guess it doesn't really matter because Star Trek Beyond was just a wild time at the movies. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. You don't have to be a sci-fi geek or a Star Trek geek to enjoy it. It's just a great time at the movies. Four couch cushions out of five, and it's certainly fitting at this time of year because Star Trek celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. There have been some events this month already, although the official date is September 8th. Uh, that's when the first episode aired back in 1966. And by the way, on September 6th, the Star Trek 50th anniversary TV and movie collection arrives on Blu-ray, containing all three seasons of the original series, as well as all six films with the original Enterprise crew. Up next on the Couch Potatoes, we're going to talk a little bit of Nintendo. More details emerging this week on the NES Classic. You're listening to the Couch Potatoes. Now you're playing with power. Brett McGarry and Jeff Braun, we are the Couch Potatoes talking about Nintendo power. Last month, Nintendo sent shockwaves through the video game industry by announcing the NES Classic, uh, sort of a mini edition of the original NES uh, Nintendo Entertainment System. Looks like the original, but fits in the palm of your hand. Yep, and it comes with 30 games pre-built in. So nostalgia, huge factor. Nintendo will always have that nostalgia thing locked up. I'm not a video game guy. I am jacked for this. Cannot wait. It only it comes out November 11th. Ugh. I don't want to wait three months. But the good news is that's sort of, you know, getting into the winter season where I can stay up all night playing Super Mario Brothers and feel good about myself. Once upon a time, I was before I was a couch potato watching TV and movies, I, this is all I did. Would, oh, yeah, would I know. play Nintendo. And I think... If not for my love of television and film, I would still be a hardcore gamer because you look at the games that are available now, it just blows your mind. But there's something about the simplicity of the Nintendo games that just, I guess, maybe makes you feel like a kid again. I don't know. Yeah, it must be that. Because, I mean, looking at the list, we won't read all of them, but I'm excited about, I'm like, beyond excited about Excite Bike. Yep. I don't know why. It's a silly little game. There's probably much more exciting motorcycle racing games, but no, Excite Bike's the one I like. It's a classic for a reason. Absolutely. Uh, all the Super Mario Brothers, or 1, 2, and 3, whatever. Uh, Double Dragon, I'm excited about that. Uh, super C, which is Super Contra, so that's good. Doesn't make sense why they included Super the, the sequel to Contra, but not Contra itself. I know, because then, because then this thing would be perfect. So every, always has to be one little thing, right? Every everyone knows. All you have to say is up, up, down, down, left, yeah, right, yeah. left, right, B A B A start. People have tattoos of that. <laughs> They've sold thousands of T-shirts with that garbage on it. So I mean, I don't know. Anyways, this week we found out that there'll be save points as well. So you're excited about that? We were talking earlier. Oh, that's a, such a huge point. And here's I'll just try to give a quick example. One of the games that is going to be available in this is Ninja Gaiden, or Ninja Gaiden, or however you say it. Just say Gaiden. One of the hardest games uh, ever. Actually, I looked up uh, the Angry Video Game Nerd. I don't have you ever seen his YouTube videos? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Hilarious. Just, if you should look them up. He's this angry nerd who screams and swears at how bad all these games are that he plays. And he ranks Ninja Gaiden, I think, as the fourth hardest game in the history of Nintendo. And, uh, the, the sixth level has, like, three sub-levels. They're all virtually impossible to get through. And I think I made it to the third level once and died, and then you got to start over. Uh, not at the beginning, but at the beginning of... Anyway, so save points. Even from, like, you can pause it and save it and start, pick it up from there. That's fabulous. 
That's awesome. Uh, there's also some news about the display options. Uh, you'll not only be able to play with a, a pixel perfect auction, where, or option rather, that's where each pixel is displayed as a square, the old TVs were round, but the console will also be able to simulate the old CRT TV looks, which sort of pays homage to the 80s in a great way, so you can look it'll make it look like how it looked when you were a kid or a little bit uh, clearer for today's kind of TVs in the four and three aspect ratio as well. Well, and I, that's how I think they should be played anyway yeah. because that's how they originally designed. So right. if you're playing a game on a widescreen television, you're playing one of your old favorite Nintendo games and it's in that ratio, then it's just stretching it out. So I wouldn't want to... Anything that... It's like watching an old TV show. If I'm watching a rerun of a show and it's and it's in yep. widescreen mode, I'll flip it to the 4-3 aspect ratio. So. Even Seinfeld, Frasier, whatever. Uh, the uh, well, There was one other thing I was going to say. Oh, my! I, I just hope that the cords are long enough that I can sit on my couch and do it because I can't sit cross-legged on the floor anymore. And on that note, that's all the time we have. November 11th is when the NES Classic <laughs> arrives. I'm Brad He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, you don't bother. This is 680 CJOB.